Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. not even waste any time let's let's get into it you know how we do it Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says I record this day 
against you that I have set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, first and foremost, I want to lift up you, the Terry, and the grandmother who who are online with us today over this explosive situation. And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you are intervening on behalf of this situation. And Lord, we are thankful to be in an opportunity to be in a position to be able to bring this story to the many, many, many listeners out in cyberspace and on other venues. Lord, there comes a point in time where we have to put our foot down and say enough is enough. And this more so than any is one of those moments when you have an unborn child, well, a newborn baby snatched from its mother without justification. Lord, you have put many, many of us, Judah, Terry, myself, Letitia, this beautiful, precious young lady's grandma and grandpa, you put us in positions to be advocates on their behalf. And we're just honored and humbled to be able to to be used by you. We say we love you and we bless you and we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. And folks, that is Um, Our main topic that we're going to get to a little bit later on the program, Uh, we want to get our guests on. And if Thomas, you can work on, we had somebody on for a little while, and I think we dropped the line. One of our guests is going to be on. We, Like I said, we're going to have Judah Myers from Choices for Life and Terry LaPointe, who is from medicalkidnap.org. She writes for Medical Kidnap. And the grandmother, her name is Dee Prince, of the girl – whom we are going to talk about, who is the mother of the baby who was taken from her. And there is a strong, explosive story about that. Uh, From what I hear, they're trying to get this onto the local news. I'm not surprised they're not getting a whole lot of traction. I still hope that they get through to the local news, at least the local and Fox affiliate. That's another prayer all by itself. But right now there's a whole deep, a whole, um, ordeal going um, with the circumstances for which the Department of Human and I understand it's called Department of Human Resources State of Alabama that has confiscated this child like a piece of property in fact worse than a piece of property I'll just say this right now worse than a piece of property because with a piece of property you need a warrant and you need documentation to confiscate property you at least have to have a re- reason and deliver that reason. The reason was never delivered, and there was is and has been no documentation for the seizure of this newborn baby from the custody 
of his mother, and we're talking about baby Braylon. Uh, please remember his name. Remember him in, his, in, in your prayers. We just want, that's all we want on True Life Fridays Radio, is for this child to be reunited with his mother so that they can be a family together. There's more, 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 plenty more to this story that we are going to get to. But while we are working on getting our guests online, we, there is so much more to talk about that's happening that is in the True Life Fridays radio direction. Oh, gosh. Can you, like, reach into a hat and pick out a topic? Because it's like the world, the news cycle just exploded full of pro-life topics. I think uh, that people don't realize how many topics are out there that really are pro-life in nature. But that's part of what we do on this show is to tell you exactly how that's the case. So what do you think? I'm going to, I did not prepare, I I prepared for a couple of stories. I did not prepare to ask you, but I really want to know because I'm curious what it is that you think should be pointed out in the pro-life direction from this week's news cycle or you know in the recent history well let's see isn't it ironic that radical islamic jihadists who obviously had a issue with someone's sexual orientation kills 49 people injures another 50 and then somehow it ends up getting blamed on followers of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the pro-life angle for us. We may disagree with a person's lifestyle choice, but where we do agree is that a radical Islamic jihadist has no right to proclaim themselves God and judge, jury, and executioner and take someone's life. But for whatever reason, they seem to be doing a lot of that. And unfortunately, those in our current administration, they were so busy trying to defend Islam and blaming law-abiding Concealed carrying Americans for what happened. Too many guns. But Letitia, at some point, self-preservation is going to have to kick in, and people are going to have to understand that our Constitution guarantees us a right, and I believe it's in our Declaration of Independence as well, Life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. So if a person wants to pursue a wrong lifestyle, that's your choice. You will accept the consequences of your actions later. I don't have a right to kill you without justification. I can't walk up to you and take your life, but them... But for whatever reason, arrogant individuals in the name of Islam, and, and, let's, and let's, let's cut all this moderate Muslim garbage. 
There's no such thing as a moderate Muslim. He may not, he or she may not be doing it, but they all want Sharia law. They think that all our American women should be covered from head to toe, submitted to some some goat-humping man who has the morals of a rock. Let's keep it real. And I'm sorry if I'm being a little blunt, but at the end of the day, I cannot stand men who treat women the way these individuals treat women. As if they, and they even say that a woman's life has no importance in their religion. Well, as far as I'm concerned, and you know this because you and I, we've had this conversation. Women are to be treasured. We need to treat them with, Leticia, without women, there would not be life. Of That's course. The kicker. But of yet, course. Idiots talking about preserving the legacy, and yet they're killing their own women. That's what I don't understand. But when you have evil, and let's call it what it is, that is an evil, demonic religion. And I don't care who's offended. If you're if you're Muslim and you're listening to this broadcast and you're offended, too bad. Because you well, guys go through a lot. I'm, yeah, I'm getting off on the no, But go anyway. Ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish. And because uh, there, there's a lot to say about that. It, go ahead it and just finish. seems like it just seems like they, you know, they do the stuff that they do, but the moment there's a an attack, someone associated with Islam attack, then all of a sudden they want to cry about being discriminated against, and that's the very first thing that the imam got on TV saying talking about that wasn't about Islam. The dude called nine one one and played a, pledged allegiance to ISIS. So what was it if it wasn't about Islam? What was it? Well, here's the question. Do we take take his word then, or do we take someone else's word at some other time that says, no, 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 that's not about Islam? Um, who do we believe? Um, but that's that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Oh, we'll get back to that point. But, you know, I don't want to tell our audience that there's an identification. There, yeah, there is, because we, we want – to look at things fairly right. on this program, very fairly. We may not uh, blunt anything and make it make it as uh, as uh, and and save people's feelings. But right. the, there is a huge difference between the Islamic religion itself and those who choose to live it out to whatever degree they feel comfortable living it out right um so when you talk about muslim muslim extremists uh they're not really extreme they are following their religion to the best they have their ability which they are all uh, commanded to do it is the moderate muslim and and i would agree with you there when you talk about there is no moderate muslim there are those that believe they are moderate muslims though um, the right. moderate Muslim who wants to stay at home and live a normal life and blend into society, best of all circumstances, more power to you. 
um, by your own religion standards, is not living up to the full potential that the religion dictates. I'm sorry. That is the truth. Now, I love you for staying home and not putting on a bomb vest, not shooting up a club, gay or otherwise, not going out and throwing jihad around in this world. Thank you for that. It is the restraint of the Holy Spirit that you do not do that. That is my belief. But I have to tell you, you you staying home watching television on a typical weekend or weekday night and not doing everything you can to slay the unbeliever is not being the best Muslim that you can be, according to Islam. Now, I beg and I plead with you to leave that religion for something that actually preaches life and getting along and getting your sins forgiven, <clears throat> the blood of Jesus Christ. But for, for the moment that you are at home, I do thank God. I thank God in heaven that you are at home. And instead uh, of instead of raiding a, a a club, killing people. Um, having said that, that was a little bit off of off topic where I was going with that. Um, I just wanted to point out the, the extreme. You pointed out the extreme irony, and I'm not, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to follow that with irony upon irony upon irony on this issue. Because this is not a simple situation. We already went three ways with this. First, we have an, a radical Muslim who decides to take his frustration out on a gay club, a gay club full of, of homosexuals. We have right. the left who wants to play this off um, in a politically correct way. We have yep. the blaming of conservative Christianity on the shooting. And we're not done yet. We have Christians who are not sorry that 49 innocent people died, one guilty person died. And we then we have a community of Christians that are supportive of that viewpoint. And then, and then okay, one more, just to make everybody really confused. We have the Obama administration picking and choosing whom they will value more in this society. And here I am, I'm wringing my hands, not in despair, but in just some sick sense of satisfaction, saying how many ways can we finally bring this madness to a collision? Because I have been waiting and waiting for a while for this type of conflict to occur, and I knew it was inevitable. I'm not welcoming it in the sense that I want to see people injured and killed and attacked, but I'm welcoming it because nobody will talk about it unless it happens. And so finally, it has happened. This is a collision of leftist ideals. And yes, I am glorying in how this is making leftists crazy. Because you are crazy, and it's about time people saw how crazy you are. So let us begin 
story number one. After the after the shooting in Orlando, you can begin to see. Uh, just yesterday, Gadsden flags, rainbow Gadsden flags, with the hashtag underneath them, shoot back. We have a bunch of gay rights activists encouraging homosexuals to arm themselves with guns. Doesn't, I mean, if your mind hasn't exploded yet, it's about to. Arm themselves right. with guns. Why? Why would they do that? Because they have finally realized the administration, law enforcement, everybody that said, everybody, you know, by the way, that they have criticized over the last um, years since we're talking about white heterosexual male privilege, right. everybody they have criticized has come to their rescue, yet 49 people are dead and they've come to the realization that many more would still be alive if they hadn't all been sitting ducks. No one on earth can protect you and your life and the lives of those you care about more than yourself when bullets are flying in your direction. When bullets are flying, law enforcement are just too far away. What they can do is stop the killing of somebody else. Maybe not you. So now we have people encouraging homosexuals to buy guns and to arm themselves. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And at the same time, we have the Obama administration who came out yesterday as well saying the real problem is that there are too many guns that we must enact tighter gun control because somehow this terrorist who was who had purchased his firearms uh, legally done everything any government entity wanted him to do in order to purchase firearms and also was flagged as a potential danger to the FBI and they did nothing about that in every way um, it worked to his favor let me jump in for a moment do you yeah. understand why they did nothing about that when he okay, was so. flagged by the he was flagged by the FBI or he was flagged but here's the thing and I have to pause for a moment and say that's a lie Okay, I'm back. You wasn't flagged? No, I I was I was seeing something. There was a there was an ad on TV about a candidate for governor here in our state, our great state of Missouri, and someone put out a a hit piece. So I had to pause and say that was a lie. Anyway, eyes now on I'm back to <laughs> Thomas. Eyes right here. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, exactly. But. Anyway, that's our moment of humor to make everybody laugh. Um, he was flagged. His 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 background check was flagged for suspicion, but the gun owner of the gun shop was threatened with a lawsuit 
by CARE. Now, for those of you who don't know CARE is, CARE is the terrorist organizational supporting Council for American Islamic Relations, which is a Muslim Brotherhood front group. They threatened to sue the gun owner, the gun shop owner, if he reported that man. And here's the other irony. His dad has more than a few visits to the White House. So chew on that one for a while. So again, so the FBI's hands have been tied. In fact, three days before Orlando happened, ISIS in, um, issued a warning that they would be attacking on American shores. Orlando mm-hmm. was actually one of the city's names. Why counterintelligence had that information? It was passed on, but it wasn't allowed to go any further. Now, yeah, for say what, what you reason, Yeah, I don't well, know. You know, ISIS doesn't really get too specific. Um, and it could have been there was nothing actionable they could do. So I want to be fair on that point. But it is certainly something that we do need to raise, that this was not out of the blue. People should have been expecting something somewhere as a general, as a general rule. And you can never, yeah. and so the lesson learned is, you can never take the religion of peace for granted. Okay, right. so <laughs> I hope that wasn't too obvious. But let's let's get back to circling, and I'm going to hit all the wagons here because I haven't yet finished blowing this out of the water. So Obama, the Obama administration, so let's go back to the Obama administration, who issued, Obama himself, has stated that it is not the fault of Islamic extremism, it is not the fault of anybody whose last name is, or first name, or any name in their name is Muhammad. It is not the fault of anything that has to do with the religion of Islam that caused the death of 49 people uh, by bullets. It is, in fact, the problem. It is, in fact, the fault of guns. Guns um, that somehow made their way into the hands of a man who just decided to pick a gay club at random uh, out of a hat and go shoot up a bunch of people. And by the way, he happened to utter Allahu Akbar. And by the way, he happened to mention how much he hated gays. And by the way, he happened to call 911 and tell them why he did it and, because, and, and pledge allegiance to ISIS. But none of that matters. What's really important is that he had a gun. And so the solution, therefore, is to move toward greater gun control, greater gun control that would restrict uh, the ability of homosexuals to obtain weapons for their own protection. Because why would the administration, if it were acting consistently, want people in the aftermath of such a horrific tragedy to arm themselves filled with such emotional distress because you know the next thing they're going to do is whip out that uh, <clears throat> sorry whip out that gun and shoot somebody and start shooting muslims 
this is not you, the case. You uh, know what? Uh, let's, Leticia. I'm not, I'm not finished not making sense here. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. But I because, have a thought. Because we're going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. So right. the question we need to ask about the Obama administration is whose lives does he value more? The Obama, I mean, President Obama, whose lives does he value more? Muslims or homosexuals? I wonder if the Obama administration will put more people on terror watch lists now, you know, not just retired veterans and military slash law enforcement personnel, not just if you happen to own a large ranch in Nevada, not if you join a militia group reenacting uh, civil war battles from prior to the invention of electricity, but now if you're gay, will you be put on a terror watch list if you're gay? And don't see the point of dying at the hands of a soldier from the religion of peace. Right. Interesting, interesting. Let's go deeper still. Now, here's what I wait to see. If anyone is brave enough to tell me um, what to pray for, because we, we, we have all this, you know, pray for Paris, pray for Orlando, pray for for this, and I'm yeah, I'm all for that. We, we said prayers for save our girls. We said prayers for everything. But apparently, um, let me get to, let me play this clip first and then talk about two more layers. Cause you're, you're going to, you cannot, I need you to eat the salad fully. And then you're going to, you, then you're going to understand why this is such a mess. So on one hand, we have, gays who want to arm themselves and on the other hand we have gays that uh want to toe the line the combination of gun control and it just being so much hate for the lgbt community i would not blame islam for this islam is losing peace even though there is a lot of extremism there have been no high examples so far in the united states of america that show straight up lgbt hate as far as islam goes so i would just try and leave the radical Islamic extremists out of it and just blame no gun control and Yes, clap, 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 clap. Thank you for um, towing the line very well. And then here's another angle. It had to do with a particular type of culture that is being brought up right now by, for example, um, the most prominent and visible Donald Trump reporter. Oh, so it's really Donald Trump's fault now. Okay. And wait, wait, wait then, a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't no, you play no, you another clip. Hold on, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did that last guy just actually blame Donald Trump for Orlando? Did I hear uh-huh. that right? Uh-huh. <laughs> wait, well, wait, wait, wait. So if he's the blame for Orlando, is he the blame for the Muslims in the Middle East throwing gay Muslims off the roof? Is that Donald Trump's I, fault too? Yeah, I don't know, but apparently, you know, that it's either you know, conservative oh. Christians are causing uh, gays to die by the sword, or Donald Trump is causing gays to die by the sword, or, or both, but, you know, we really can't blame radical Islam, but we're not done yet, because there are people who do. And now I switch over to the other side, where I turn my attention 
to misbehaving so-called Christians. Uh-oh, this ain't going to be Save it. <laughs> you know, what if you ask me, hey, are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today? Um, no, I think that's great. I, I, I think that helps society. You know, I think Orlando, Florida is a little safer tonight. The tragedy is that more of them didn't die. I mean, the tragedy is I'm, 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 I'm kind of upset that he didn't finish the job. Cut. Isn't Let's there enough killing that. and hatred? Stop Cut the killing that. and hatred. Who so, was that? Who was that? That was a pastor from Verity Baptist Church. And let me tell you, though, his name is Jimenez. He is a Hispanic pastor. And he had protesters lined up outside of his church in the last couple of days, um, protesting, saying, stop, everybody, stop the hate. Gotta stop the hate, because it's all your fault. And, uh, you know, you, on one side, oh. I'll tell you the punchline that I have for this, but not until I'm, I'm done. So, and add on this one more, I swear the sandwich will be finished. I woke up this morning having a discussion uh, that that went overnight about, hey, 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 let's not call Muslims by derogatory names and wish them death the same way they wish us to die because there was a phrase that says, find an imam and put him to sleep. Now, I certainly understand people are very angry. Even Christians are very angry at being blamed for things that we have nothing to do with because white privilege, everything, blame everything on white privilege. <laughs> I understand. And I understand the rush to try to marshal righteous anger, but it doesn't work. If you turn into that, which you want to see destroyed, that hate that you say sense coming toward you may not be returned in the same fashion. That is not what's called righteous anger. What I had said is we cannot call for the murder of imams who say terrible things because apparently uh, this imam named Robert, and I'm going to watch this up. So give me a second to find his name. Um, he went on Fox news a few days ago. And actually joked about um, more Muslims killing others, uh, women. He made he made a comment about killing journalists. Like more journalists have to be beheaded. Oh, like Daniel Pearl. And he also made a comment that you know Hillary shouldn't be president of the United States because you know you may have blood coming out of your whatever. Right. You know, you see what I did there. Um, <laughs> we come back for that. And so I have a lot of bunch a bunch of Christians who got on my case for saying, "Hey, we can't sound exactly like that. There's plenty of things that we can say, but we do not say death to the imam the same way they say death to America." I think there's something in the Bible called "Do not murder" that hems us in a little bit. Um, well, let me let me address let me address then, that when let me sure, address I, that right there for a moment. So go ahead, Let's finish it. Oh yeah. Well, let me finish this, and we can't. And so why have Christians getting on my case and be and was accused of standing on the graves 
of Christians against the likes of Mao, Hitler, Pol Pot, and does Islam mean submission terrorists? All for believing that we should probably watch that we don't become what our enemies are. But hey, you know what? I was wondering if anyone would defend the practical death to the imams sentiment, and I wasn't disappointed. So my point is here is I am slapping everybody in the room. (laughs) Nobody's innocent. Everyone is guilty of something that has to do with this. And here's what I, where I wait to see if anyone is brave and bold enough to say to the Muslim countries out there that they should pray their hate away and that the gay community would pray for themselves to pray their hate away since we obviously can't pray the gay away, will they pray their hate away? Apparently it works for Christians because, you know, that would be the solution, right? If we would just stop hating gays, we could pray the hate of gays away, everything would be all right. And then on the other side, I believe in righteous anger, I do. But I don't believe we are all as righteous as we think we are. Right. Well, I want to speak to this. Absolutely. Now, there comes a point in time where evil must be confronted. Now, calling for the death of an imam because of what he says is not, not under just, the context not, not under the, the context imam. of the war. Not just the imam. His name was um gosh, I, I totally forgot to have his name. Um Robert not somebody. Just Ro- yes, you're right. It was scrolling, scrolling. Uh Ro- Marcus Robertson, who now goes by Abu Tauba. Okay, so let me guess. This was a black man who converted to Islam and changed his name and became an Im- imam, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Hold the thought on that. Hold the thought on that. But anyway, here's the thing. Now, death is justified under the context of war. We are at war. See, not only does the president's administration refuse to acknowledge that, but a lot of Christians refuse to acknowledge that. It's not just a spiritual war. It is a natural war. At some point, we have to start fighting back. We have to start protecting our families. And we have to start strategizing because they've been strategizing. They've been plotting and planning. They essentially think because they got people in place in the government, you know, both Huma Abedin and Valerie um, Jarrett, both are Iranian Muslims. They are, they are in very high position. Jai Johnson converted to Islam. The, the William Brennan, the CIA director, is a Muslim convert. What's going on here? 
Hello, this is Judah. Judah? Hello, Judah. Anyway, so we are at war. We have to understand what is going on. And until we figure that out, you know, we're going to have what continues to happen. We have an administration. I don't know if they not defend us from Islam, but they don't defend us from, they don't defend life. So, we are at war. We are at war. We are at war. So, until we until we get back to the place where we fully understand that Islam is not a religion at peace, they are ready to take us out, take our heads off. And Letitia, yeah, honestly, we cannot be worried about being nice to the Imam. Oh, we can't say that. No, under the context of where we at, just out and out calling for his death, we can't do that. Excuse me. The phone's ringing. Hello. Hello. Terry? Radio's tripping tonight. So, folks, this is what it boils down to, and we're getting ready to transition into our our main interview, but here's the thing. There's a war. There's a cultural war. There's an Islamic war. There is there is a war. There is a war. And one of the biggest hidden wars going on right here in our nation is is the war for the lives of the unborn. You have Division of Family Services, Department of Human Resources, or yeah, I I think like that's a weird that. name. <laughs> yeah, Department of Human Resources. That sounds like something straight out of Nazi Germany. Let's well, no, keep I was it thinking real there. more along the lines of that is that is where the employment office for the hospital uh, is. So why is HR coming to snatch children out of their mother's arms? Uh, but apparently this is how Alabama has arranged their bureaucracy, their Division of well, Child Protective Services. Which you know, well, whatever. The problem with that, the problem <laughs> with that, Letitia. Here's the thing: as you know, I grew up in a system. What they yeah. never anticipated is someone knowing the system, being able to expose them for what. Now, I can un- I can only speculate as to the reason why they took that baby away. And I'm gonna say this, and. Judah, Terry, and the grandmom is D. 
I believe that's what you said her name was. They can, um, we, they can... we just the latest information on her is that she has now been submitted to a gag order and may not talk to members of the media. So I am so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We will not be able to speak with her personally, but we do have the two people that were there in the room when everything happened with us. Oh, today. But wait, 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 wait a minute. Go ahead, bring on Judah and Terry. Love them to the pieces. Sure. We both Let know, me... but um. Cue this up for everybody so that they know that we're trying we're moving on to this topic and we're not going to take a break until a little bit later. Um, just a couple of days ago, um, today from two days ago is what does it take to remove a planned and wanted? And you want to take issue with me about that planned and wanted? I'll take issue with you. A newborn baby from the hospital. Two ingredients. Things that we know for sure. The mother must be a rape victim. And the state must have no paper trail. Apparently, that's all it took for authorities to forcibly take baby Braylon from his mother's arms shortly after birth. So today, we are going to talk to our two guests, Judah and Terry, about exactly what happened, what has transpired in the last 48 to to 30, 48 to 60 hours uh, that has caused a mother to be separated from her baby, something that would not happen, I think, with the room next door in the hospital with a mother and a baby. There is something terribly unique about this, and we're here to talk to our guests. Uh, Judah is the, 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 <clears throat> the director of Choices for Life, and it is a counseling and assistance ministry for women who have been raped, and for their children who have been conceived and raped, and Terry LaPointe, who is the director of the website Medical Kidnap. She has a book out called Medical Kidnap, which documents a lot of the cases where babies have been removed in just such a manner from their mothers under false pretenses or no pretenses. And so we want to talk to both of you ladies today. Thank you for coming on True Life Fridays Radio. Um, So Judah... I want to go to you first because you seem to um, have been able to get the most information out, your face on it. Can you tell us um, just very briefly what has transpired to where we got to here today? today? Wow. Well, first off, Terry was the one who called me. She's been working with this family with medical kidnap and going through different, it's a complicated case, but she told me that there was a baby that was going to be born. The mother was in labor and she had been raped. Well, that's what I do with Choices for Life. So I jumped on a plane and came on out here to in Alabama to help her and be supportive because it can be a, a hard time, not for the mother necessarily, just her and her baby, but society tends to abuse these these mothers. And I wanted to make sure that this particular little girl, was not going to be harassed, insulted. She was going to be able to have the most wonderful time with her baby. And, in fact, it turned out to be the most horrid event that I personally have had to deal with with my clients. Hmm. Hey, and Judith, they... before, uh-huh. before you go on, before you go on, um, I talked to you and Terry yesterday, and I still don't even know where to start with this. So this much I want to say to you because 
you know, Letitia announced that they are now, they've now put a gag order on the grandmother so that she can't speak. But I'm going to tell you this much. They can put a gag order on the grandmother, but they can't put a gag order on on um, True Life Friday's radio. They can't put a gag order on me and Letitia. And I promise you this much, when I get done with that hospital, they're going to wish they never did what they did because that baby, and this is, um, I don't know if we're allowed to mention the, you know, the identity of the baby, if you will. But part of me speculate. Have, I've been thinking about this, and part of me believes that since they didn't give the um, a reason for them taking that baby away, my personal belief is they took that baby away because of the identity of the father. And you you two both, and Letitia, you as well, know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about what happened Sorry. first and the circumstances yeah. um, on the legal front that we're facing with the story. So either, you, either Judy or Terry can uh, jump in and tell us exactly what the situation is right now. Let Terry, excuse me, let Terry go ahead and um, and tell everybody because, you know, basically it was her story to begin with. She was the one working on the story. And um, let her let her tell. And then um, the part that I played, then I'll, I can come back in. But Terry really is the person who um, initiated the contact. She's got another contact, but she's the one who started this, and that's she is the real reason that I'm even involved. I would have never known. Had it not been for Terry. Thank yeah, you, Yeah, so Terry, yeah, please. I, I don't even, uh, like Thomas, I don't even know where to start, and I thank you guys for allowing us to, to be on this um, on your show yeah. and, and share. Thank you so much. This has really gone viral in, in a huge way. This has gotten, I, I told the, the, the people that we would go national with this, I didn't tell them it would go viral. <laughs> I knew it would go national. I didn't know it would go viral. Um, but what they were doing was wrong. I've never witnessed so many laws broken, so much trampling of our Constitution. I don't recognize where I am. I, I, I would not, if you had asked me, could this happen in Alabama? I would have said no before. This is not, there was so much unconstitutional. Stuff going on, and we still there is still no court order. There is still no warrant. There is still no paper trail of removal documents of why these children were taken. All that we've managed to get is that there are quote safety concerns. That's the only thing we've managed to get out of them. Well, I, we saw Judah and I went to the house. We saw the house that these children were taken from, and it was a beautiful home. It was a loving home. It was grandma's home. It had things for the kids. It had pictures everywhere. It was homey. It was it was beautiful and very welcoming. It was a place where, where kids of all ages could feel very welcome and, and loved. You could feel the love in this home. 
and they took these children out of that environment. And from from the latest report, when they took the, they have actually reunited the mother, the 14-year-old mother, and her baby. After they kept the baby away from her for um, for um, overnight, they mm-hmm. now reunited. They actually put her in the same home with the baby, and um, but, but it is a filthy place where there is allegedly mold. Um, Judith got the pictures of it. Mold on the on the in the shower um, and bugs everywhere. And this is a newly postpartum mother. This is an infection risk. This is a health risk. I'm concerned now for this mother's safety. I'm concerned for this baby's safety. I wasn't um, can concerned I add before. something? I really yes. would like for people to call DHR. I, you know, I'm about to get on a plane here, so I, I'm sorry for interjecting, but I really would like to see people um, call DHR or, or the health department or somewhere that they can demand that um, her her surroundings, her environment is clean and safe because they're supposed to be caring about this mother and child, yet they're putting them in a situation where they can actually be infected and and have to go to the hospital once again. And this is a very serious situation. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, And we had, I had reached out earlier and tried to call uh, the, the task force, the head of the task force, Congressional Task Force in the state of Alabama, and I couldn't reach him. I couldn't reach him. It was under an interesting thing. I got bumped to a non-voicemail box. Can I <laughs> tell you the task force? tell me that he didn't have a voicemail. Um, and then I contacted uh, one other person um, from the from the task force, Chris England, who was the state representative, and he was invited onto our program, and I have not heard back from him. But he was invited on, and his assistant had told me over on on the phone that he was in the very process that was this morning of talking to yes. the DHR about this but, very case. But let me, okay, let me so interject at the very again. Least, yeah, well, at the very least, he is knowledgeable about what's happening. So if there's anything that comes out of his office that sounds uh, de- like denial – uh, you can have it on my experience with him and his assistant that he actually is very well informed about. Let me situation. can I interject right here? Sure. Let me tell you something. He is, I believe, married to a very well praised DHR employee. This task mm. force that has been <laughs> yeah, there's a loop here. Okay, so the task force that this wonderful governor has put in place has the um, I guess director or some high official in in um, VHR as part of the task force. So we have got the wolves checking in on the chicken house, so to mm-hmm. speak. And so um, there's a whole lot of things that one VHR doesn't answer to anybody. So when they say we need police, boom, they rush over there and they do not ask questions. They don't care what. What it is, I was told that the DHR does not need a warrant, does not need anything. They just have to say they want something, and they get it. They are they answer and to the nobody. Cop, and the cops do what DHR says. Yes, yes. I was told that they don't need. I have that on video. They do not need. This is a cop who was standing there guarding this DHR woman when she was coming to take that baby. And I said, where's your warrant? And he said, 
We don't need a warrant. DHR does not need a warrant. They call us and we, and we do our job. And says you do. And he said, Absolutely. no, we don't. the Constitution says you do. Call the Fourth Amendment. Right. Yes. They don't care. So you They're have warrantless the warrant warrant seizures. There's no such things as warrantless seizures, like I said earlier, of, of property. But if you can seize a person without a warrant. Or a probable cause. They said, somebody said, well, they had, there was imminent danger. I said, how could there be imminent danger? The mother was a brand new mother. She had just, just given birth, what, uh, just 51 hours before when the baby was taken. She was taking care of the baby by all reports. The, the medical staff praised her for her, her parenting skills and for breastfeeding and for being a good, good mother. There was no opportunity for there to be any imminent danger. There was no imminent danger. And that's the only way you can have a, a seizure without a warrant or a court order. But they did it anyway. They did it anyway. We still don't have paperwork. There's still no paperwork. Okay. So, today, the, court, the courts this morning was supposed to have a 9 o'clock yeah. hearing. Okay, so the court said they need the mother and her twin brother there. DHR said, nope, she ain't going. And so the courts, the judge and everybody else had to reschedule this thing for next Friday because DHR didn't want to bring her over there. How's that? We are living in a Nazi camp, it feels like. Well, so so everybody understands. The mother is a 14-year-old girl, and so she is in the custody of DHR, as well as now, her baby, as so, so that everybody night. knows. As of last night. Right. As of last she night. and her baby are in custody. And, uh, and her twin and, brother. And her twin brother are in the custody of DHR. They now dictate where she can go and what she can do. Yep. And the rapist so was free up until this afternoon. Court, apparently DHR has the authority to disobey a court request that they show up for court. Yep. Have mm-hmm. I got that right? Yeah. And, and, and you yes, have that and right. Actually, I have seen that before, where the, where child protective services social workers have have, have refused to fl- to follow court orders and have said, no, we don't have to follow court orders. Who do they follow? Who do they have to answer to? We have no a governmental agency who thinks that they answer to no one, and that is not what the founding fathers envisioned. And if they answer to no one, that is the very definition of tyranny. We're living it. You're right about that. So I wonder about this Department of Human Resources and how much, you know, they they seem to have in this sense an an omnipotent level of power and not even a judge, not even a sitting judge can tell them what to do. Right. Yep. There's too much money involved. You know, one of the girls told me um, they saw a check handed to a foster um, worker, foster parent, for $4,500, and I went, wow, that's a lot. So maybe it was from something else or whatever. Well, today I met another mother, young mother that said her child had been taken away, and they, the foster parents got $4,500. I didn't even ask this girl. I didn't even mention the other 45 This is clearly out of the blue, and this girl said the exact same thing that the other girl who had had her baby taken had said. Mm. There's so many babies okay. being taken. So, so the circumstances. Move on into what are the circumstances for these seizures. 
entertain me as I, I just leave that open and you help me draw what the commonality is between these young mothers. Oops, I gave some of them away. Oh, they're they're honestly i've been researching medical kidnap stories for a little over a year and a half and there is no commonality there they we've done we've covered rich poor black white um american indian um or native american we've covered hispanic we have covered single parents, we've covered married parents, we've covered Christian, we've covered pagan, we've covered um, uh, teenagers, we've covered newborns and every age in between, we've covered any anything, any, we've covered homeschool and public school, vaccinated, unvaccinated, home birth, hospital birth, birth certificate, no, no birth certificate, we've covered all kinds. We've covered all okay. kinds. There, there is no, there is hey, no Letitia, Letitia. commonality. Letitia, uh, Terry, yes, um, Judah, um, can you guys excuse me? Um, I just found out some news about my old pastor, and I got to step away from the call, and I will call back in in a little bit. Um, it's okay. not it. All right. I, I will call back in. Okay. All right. So Thomas is going to come back. And so why I wanted to ask you as a follow-up question, Terry, is if there is no commonality that you have found, uh, what keeps this from being completely random acts by a uncontrollable bureaucrat, a bureaucratic organization? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The Anyone can make a false allegation. We have heard, we've actually, we know of false allegations that were made by social workers saying, oh, we have this allegation that was completely made up. We have heard of vindictive allegations made by people that come from hospitals. It can literally come from anywhere. We have a book out that is called Medical Kidnapping, A Threat to Every Family in America. And that is not hyperbole. It is not exaggeration. It literally could happen to any family in America. No one is immune. Interesting. Interesting. So in our case, in in the case of this 14-year-old girl and her baby Braylon, um, so since no no explanation was given, what do you suspect? Because I know they didn't tell you anything, but you were there. What kind of, what indication did you have that they had a reason to take this baby? They've been involved with the family for a long, long time. There's been false allegations and false allegations and false allegations and false allegations. At at no less than 22 false allegations that were found to be unsubstantiated, which means there's no basis in them, um, that have been filed against this family over years and years and years. Um, What kind of allegations are we talking about? I don't even know. Just, uh, Just all kinds of them. Um, but they've been found to be unsubstantiated. Uh, the children, we, we, we have spoken, Judah and I have spoken with three out of the five grandchildren, and they have uh, asserted to us that their grandparents are wonderful people. They love their grandparents. They are comfortable with their grandparents. They, they feel safe and loved by their grandparents. They, there's not any abuse. They, they tell us that, that they, they feel loved. They're just 
they are they're loved. I was raised by my grandparents. Okay, and, and I know so, grandparents loved me. Just so that we all know, um, these grandchildren, so they're living with grandparents. Why are they not living with their parents? So what what situation is that? Dad's in jail, and and well, he just got out, but the the mother is um, she she I guess was had drugs and everything, and so they they, they took away the children okay. many years so, ago, a, many a history, many years. A history of Big history. of drug abuse and. Um, and there were, in other words, there were there were valid reasons that the children were removed from her, but the grandparents okay. were there. Okay, so the so this young mother um, has a mother who has been in and out of prison for drug possession, and that is I don't why know if it's her the mother no, has no, 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 it's no, the no, father. No, the father. The mother oh, the father. has the father. The father has been in prison. I don't know why he was in prison, but the the daughter was very disappointed saying that her father is out of prison and still doesn't make contact with her. This is the okay. one that just had the baby. Well, she she okay. said, I grew up without a father. So, I mean, she, she doesn't have yep. a father relationship with him at all. Nope. Okay. Okay, so for whatever reason, the parents of this 14-year-old girl were deemed unfit to be have legal custody right. of her right. and her brother. And so the legal custody fell to the, her grandparents, who have right. been, by your testimony, stellar grandparents, been wonderful caretakers and custodians for for her, her twin brother, and I guess there's another sibling as well. There's five. Um, there's five of them. Okay. Okay. More than one sibling. Um, <laughs> and now the Department of Human Resources has decided that, for some reason, these wonderful grandparents are no longer fit did not give a reason for that and have removed all the children and placed and basically scattered the family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, so ladies and gentlemen, understand what is going on here. What they have created was a stable situation to fix a problem that was there before. They fixed the problem and now they're going in and creating another one and removing children that had a stable home to live in. So whatever allegations are out there that that report of either abuse or whatever, like I said, Terry does not know the specifics, whatever allegations do not seem to be corroborated by the testimony of the children. Right. And that's what we're dealing with. And the more we talk about this, the more question marks seem to loom over this particular case and now you're saying it's not the only one so what so what can be done in the state of alabama about this some legitimate investigation uh, right but it is not just the state of alabama there there is this there are pockets of this corruption in every single state in america okay every single state um okay but 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 public outcry makes a big difference. We are still, we the people, we still have a voice when we're making the phone calls, writing the letters, and most importantly, praying. 
praying and interceding, recognizing, opening our eyes, and realizing that these that this could happen to people, and they're not crazy, and they're not making this up. Um, we I've done many, many, many stories, and I and I see the evidence. I see the actual evidence, the court documents, the medical documents that show that these are innocent parents, and they still do this. One of the things that happens here is that 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 the children have become a commodity to be bought and sold. There is a mm. lot of money, as Judah um, yep. um, referred to earlier. There is a whole lot of money. Every time a child is taken uh, and, and put into a foster home, there, is, there are federal funds that are released to the state. Every time they're switched from one foster home to another, there are more federal funds. Every time they are adopted, there's a huge bonus when that child is adopted. Now, if that child is a special needs child, that bonus grows exponentially. It's a much bigger bonus. And I have seen healthy children taken and being, and, and being drugged and, and mistreated so that they become special needs. They mm. actually become a special needs child so that the foster parents or adoptive parents can get a bigger check. So, so it, is, it is about, it's a, it's a market, it's a supply and demand, it's a market based on Title IV-E funding. Well, I don't. I know I, it I'm sounds like surprised. a... It is, it is shocking, but I'm not surprised uh, that if this were the case, um, that there is a huge level of corruption and money laundering and money changing hands. And yes, we have seen the use of children as commodities before. And that is the subject of our show. Um, how, how we devalue, we actually devalue the true human value in a person and put a dollar on someone's forehead uh, in order to, to benefit somebody else. Judy, you were going to say, um, I just, you know, so many people we tell the story to, and we haven't even told the whole story, they look at us and just like, how can this be? How can this be? This doesn't happen. There had to be a reason that, C- um, I say CPS, because in Texas it's CPS, but this is DHR in Alabama. And, you know, they say, um, how can this possibly be? And so many people are saying the same thing. We went and we stopped at, um, or we ate at a, a little restaurant across the street from the uh, courthouse. And a woman started crying, saying, you know, thank you so much for what you do. I, I, I watched your video. I'm memorizing. I, I know exactly what's going on, you know, because there's mm-hmm. so many of us that this happens to. Everywhere we walked, there was another story of a yes. kidnapped yes. child. One lady this morning that I met, her daughter at six years old was raped in foster care. Um, the little girl who um, gave birth um, just now and had her child taken away and then she was taken away, um, she was also molested at seven in, in custody. Her sister was raped and became pregnant in foster care. Why because are we calling this child The statistics show that um, children who are, this is national, federal statistics, um, government statistics, that children who are um, in foster care are six to ten times more likely to be raped, molested, abused, or killed than they would be if you left them even in a bad situation, in a bad home. Uh, I'm speechless. I'm speechless, and I'm the host of the show, and I'm speechless. But uh, I want to go back. So, so yes, thank you for sharing that um, huge background of the corruption of the DHR with us. And now, you know, coming back to our case in particular, um, 
so do you suspect there was some kind of personal vengeance going on that caused mm-hmm. the, the baby to be removed? I know it complicates things because Judy, you let us know that the the girl, the fourteen year old mother, was a victim from rape, conceived the baby from the rape, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And you and I know, we've gone through this before on this show, that mothers who have been, um, who, mothers who, who are mothers by rape are treated very badly, especially, and, and you know, I'm going to drive the left a little nuts right now because I love to do it, <laughs> because, not because pro-life people reject the baby under these circumstances, although some do, the greater rejection is on the part of the people of the left that say the mother needs to have uh, an abortion because the child is fill in the blank, whatever, regardless of the the nature of the child, um, is not worthy of being left alive on this earth because not just that he or she is a reminder of the rape, but he's not worth saving. Uh-huh. The, the compassionate mother-approving, women-approving uh, left that wants to be on the side of women everywhere has decided that women who have been raped, who keep babies that they conceive, are lower than, than life itself. They despise women who affirm life for their babies. And they will stop at nothing to humiliate and even destroy the family that is being created there. Yeah, I told the police officer that was there. I said, um, basically, you're doing the same thing that Satan does, coming to kill, steal, and destroy. I said, here's a a girl who labored without an epidural, without anything, because she cared so much about her baby. She didn't even want to take the chance that her baby could have had any problems. So here's a 14-year-old who doesn't even have an epidural. She has her baby completely natural and then she nurses her baby and completely takes care of him and yet here she's she's nursing her baby and you've got three police officers and, and a DHR woman who has no respect for her and see our tagline at Sources for Life is restoring honor and dignity to the mothers and children of rape conception and so right in front of my face they they stole her dignity. They treated yeah. her like like um, um, a dog that you take puppies away. In fact, you know, yes, most people analogy. wouldn't take puppies away. M- most people would care more about a gorilla or a, you know, and that proves what our society is thinking at this point. You would prefer a gorilla. It's okay that a gorilla lives and a little boy dies or, or even takes a chance. Nobody was even caring. It's like no big deal. They care mm-hmm. more about animals than they do about the innocent life of a 14-year-old girl who was raped and her precious little boy. And that's appalling. That's, I don't even know what that is anymore. Well, yes. I, I mean, we, we have seen this more than once. And for this particular case, were, were there other people trying to speak into the situation? Um, there is a, you know, these, this mother has a mother. Is she involved in this situation at all? Is she a cause of this confusion? I'm just speculating can, here. Can we, and nothing goes on record can we leave, <laughs> on that point. I was going to say, can we leave that? Um, because there's an ongoing um, litigation, gotcha. can we just 
bypass that right this minute. We want to sure. just not talk about that mother because it could complicate things greatly. Understood. And we can leave so, it like that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not, not an easy situation to no, figure no. out. Um, so I want you to, to um, I know that you're going to be giving interviews with other media outlets. I pray that you're going to be giving interviews to other media outlets, that this grows beyond, you know, the, our little True Life Friday show. But I, I want you to be able to tell a greater audience than what we have. And Lord help us if other people have catch on to this and catch the story. Um, because we would love to see this grow and, and, and really go viral, not just social media-wise, but media-wise. Yes. And yes. to call attention to the fact that, that there is this great injustice that is happening specifically to this 14-year-old mother who has suffered enough. So let me appeal to you. Um, ladies, if you would come back and tell us more when you can, hopefully no judge is going to order you to prevent to prevent you from speaking to the media. Um, stay close to the media. We events. are media. I am media. That's yeah. protected by the Second Amendment right. <laughs> well, right. And that, you know what? It hasn't stopped people for four. It hasn't stopped people from issuing gag orders, but I pray that doesn't happen to you. We don't comply. And that is our policy at Health Impact News. We do not comply with unconstitutional gag orders. That is my editor's position as well. In fact, we, we actually like it when they send us um, letters telling us to, uh, to take down stories and to, um, to uh, try to gag us as the media because then we print those. We publish those. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. We, so I, I want to – I don't want to keep you too long, um, and I will – I'm going to part with – because there's no new news about this until there's a hearing, right? Um, so I want right. to end por- this portion of this story because we're going to keep going at this until uh, we find out more, that – the, tr- the very treatment of babies as commodities, as you so thankful, thankfully you have said that. Thankful for, thank you for bringing that up. Turning newborn babies into commodities mm-hmm. is just this horrific thing. I, I don't know that people fully, fully comprehend what is happening here. That this is not um, a sex trade. This is not a sex slave trade. This is not a baby trade. Yet it's happening. In the very institutions that we assume are going to be safe, in hospitals, in our government, uh, among government employees, people that are supposed to be trustworthy, they're facilitating the shuffling around, and that's the nice way to put it, of babies and children for the sake of money. Yes. Um, And what I have said for a while is Planned Parenthood Parenthood and Child Protective Services... Uh-oh. No, Letitia? Yes. Hey, Letitia. I'm going to have to say goodbye. I just want okay. everybody to go and hashtag save Braylon's family, B-R-A-E-L-O-N, and you'll find a whole bunch of stuff on that. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I am headed back to Houston. <laughs> thank you, Judah. We will talk to you again. Okay. Yes. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. All right, and um, I will let you go too soon. Uh, Terry, just any final words 
about this case um, before you go? It is very heartbreaking. Planned Parenthood and Child Protective Services, they are the same story, different chapter. It is the, the commoditization of children, the buying and selling of children. And it is wicked. It is evil. It is not what God intended. It is not what our founding fathers ever intended. This mother is a good mother. She is precious. She deserves to be able to mother her baby. And the harm that they are causing to both mother and baby by trying to, to break apart this bond is, it, it, there, is going to, there is lifelong irreparable harm that they have already done to both this mother and this baby. Okay. And Do they have legal counsel? Do they have good legal yes. counsel? Yes, yes. Um, we had an attorney that um, that I have worked with before with the, a, um, a case of ba- vaccine blackmail where they threatened a young mother, a young couple, that if they didn't vaccinate their their baby with the hepatitis B vaccine as a newborn, that they would they would take the baby from the hospital. And I mm. knew both of these parents. And, and this attorney um, was, represented them, and he worked with them. And so I knew him to be a man of par- character and honor. And we contacted him. And um, and the family has contacted him, and he was there this morning for this family. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I really hope that um, legally they can fight back and fight back hard and to restore the family that they have had, which was the fix to a bad situation already. Um, So come back on the show. Probably in the future when we know more, uh, certainly we want to stay on this story. Thank you, Terry, for coming on. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you again. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. And so, ladies and gentlemen, um, okay, this is my time to go off on this because I simply uh, have to pick up my jaw off my desk and, and just comprehend. We spend so much time on this program, in research, in our lives, advocating for the value of life of the most innocent of our society, the smallest, newborn, those that are not yet born. And I have to field comments from ignorant folks out there that say, oh, you only care about the child before they're born. You don't care anything about mothers or the babies after they're born. You're all about this. And listen, I would not have just spent time on this program talking about newborn babies being ripped from their mother's arms if I didn't care. I don't have bags and witness to bags of clothes and advocate for the assistance, the material physical assistance of mothers and their newborn babies, not just newborns, toddlers, children, teenagers etc., to adulthood of unborn babies. But I didn't want to see them grow up, and I didn't want to see them help to adulthood. So you can take that little line of thinking and toss it out the window into a bag of feces. That's where it belongs because it is made up. You chase that straw man down the street, and I'd love to watch you run. The idea that children are to be used as ways of funneling money from point A to point B should be completely abhorrent to America. Now, my greatest fear is people don't care as much and don't show that they care as much as they should 
because we got a million problems in this world. This is just one of them. But I just came back home from a trip um, where over the weekend, that's when the Orlando shooting occurred. And overnight, a packed, solid march, packed, solid, full of people for a mile plus was organized in just hours in San Francisco. I was in San Francisco because they stopped traffic for this march, and I was in the stop traffic. I was in the front of the of the lane when the the police cars decided to halt all traffic so this march could go by. And there were more people than I could count. I could not see the end of this march from where I was sitting in my car looking down the street. The people just kept coming. They were marching in solidarity and support of those who were killed. And I'm in total support of the reason they were marching. The people that were killed had value, had human value. The people who were marching had human value. And what they were marching for, in a limited sense, was very noble and very right. We can see the value of people. Why do we not see the value of children? The younger they are, it seems the less they're worth to people, except that people will go to great lengths to try to procure them in unethical ways. So here on True Life Fridays Radio, if you do not see the continuum from conception to natural death, however and whenever that occurs, of the value of human life, if you don't understand this show and you don't understand the real pro-life ethic that pro-life people advocate for, there is no difference between helping the pregnant mother giving life and keeping and taking care of her unborn baby than giving life and taking care of her born baby. Her 18-year-old born baby, her 28-year-old born baby, or however old that individual has been from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. There is a continuum of human life, and anybody who says there's a break somewhere in between has to justify why there is a break, where it is, and why you need to say that there is. And what is the point of what is the worth of someone before or after that point? Certainly, you wouldn't say that for yourself. There is a break in the value of your life. That's in that in that break, somebody else can and take what is fundamental to you, and certainly as a an American citizen your constitutional rights. So here on True Life Fridays Radio, we are going to affirm that this mother who is pregnant by rape needs to have everything she wants for her baby at this point in time. That is the affirmation that a woman who has suffered, a girl who has suffered, a teenage girl, my goodness, she's 14 years old. Do you know that my daughter My daughter is 14 years old. I cannot affirm her life less, more than my own daughter. I cannot imagine what she has gone through 
from being attacked to finding out she's pregnant to being pregnant age to giving birth and triumphing triumphing over everything that anyone could say negatively about her because those are just dang words words that are laden with negativity telling her she's worthless if she has this baby she's worthless if she keeps the baby and then saying the baby is worthless I know because people say it last thing on the docket the baby's worth every legal every legal loophole to be filled in order to keep that child who is planned I said this child has been planned and wanted and if you want to take issue with me here we go the reason I say this child is planned and wanted is because when this child was conceived they planned this mother planned to have this baby and wanted this baby no different than any other mother who finds out she's pregnant and wants to have the baby whether the pregnancy itself was planned or not that baby is a planned and wanted child Speaking of rape, not enough attention. We did this on purpose because there's probably litigation on that. Not enough attention was paid to the fact that this little teenage girl, young teenage girl, was a victim of rape. And there's a rapist out there that hasn't faced justice yet. And I, things don't look good from the media standpoint, from the news standpoint, for justice against rapists because let's go back a couple of weeks to the Stanford rapist and yes I'm going to call him a rapist because that's exactly what he is <clears throat> excuse me Huffington Post uh, our writer Kelly Fitzgerald writes I don't even know what to call this some kind of tome on the Huffington Post And it's titled, I Could Have Been the Stanford Rape Victim. And she talks about how she was was a party girl, just like the girl who was raped by the Stanford rapist, Brock Turner. She was a party girl, and she got so immeasurably drunk that she has had moments of blacking out and passing out and lost complete control over her surroundings, over her own body. And yeah, she makes the case that even if that were to happen, it doesn't give a rapist, a rapist any right to do what uh, Brock Turner did. And she's correct. She's correct. She, the, the rape victim, Brock Turner's rape victim, is a total victim. But in this case, and the case of Party Girl Drinking Too Much, who put herself at risk, the risk is not, and she wasn't an innocent victim of the risk. I think Brock Turner should be more severely punished than he has been. Six months is an insult to the women everywhere, to women everywhere who have been raped, especially to the victim. 
But this person who is writing for the Huffington Post, in trying to write a sympathetic article, saying that she herself put herself at risk for a rape, saying, oh, yeah, it's really so scary. Um, And uh, when drinking heavily, we ask for a hangover. But, you know, we don't ask for a rape. Yes, that is true. But you ask for the risk to increase. And ladies, do not, do not hide behind something bad that could have happened to you as a re- as as an excuse for being irresponsible yourself no one but the rapist is responsible for the rape but women have to act defensively just like you do not drive down the street recklessly in your car and then when a drunk driver hits you, blame the drunk driver for hitting you when you are yourself are acting recklessly with your car and putting yourself in extra danger. You're asking for that ex- exposed part of your life. You're just asking people to look at you and say, this is what you're actually exposing yourself to. The judgment of others. And if you don't want to be judged by that, don't be stupid. Drink heavily, black out, and then blame others when you put yourself in that situation. You could have walked home. You could have walked home sober. You could have walked home. And if you were attacked... You could have stuck the guy in the eye, and he wouldn't have been able to be a victim so easily. I do not accept that women can brand themselves victims and affirm their strength as a woman. You cannot affirm your life as a woman. You can't affirm your dignity as a woman if you won't grab your dignity and use it. So the theme of today's show is a box on everybody's house here. Anyone who complains that they are a victim of something when they have been part of the cause. Oh, you're just blaming the blame the victim blame the victim blaming victim blaming. No, I'm blaming this woman who has never been raped, but put herself in that position. Oh, you have the presence of mind to admit that you did put yourself in that position, but you want to back off and say, if that happened, I'm not responsible in any way, shape, or form. Sorry, that doesn't fly. There are many things you do. I have friends who are strong Second Amendment defenders, pro-2A. If you want to live a life on the wild side and you are not pro-2A, you're stupid. If you want to live life on the wild side and don't think that you're putting yourself in danger, you are stupid. You are absolutely stupid. You don't deserve to be raped for being stupid, but you deserve to be called a stupid 
person. So don't, don't come at me with your little pleas of blame the victim. Because, yeah, I will blame you for that part that you are blameful for. You are, I will blame you all day long for that which you are responsible for. And that is being totally stupid. says, yes, lacking is a sign of an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, but okay, you want to take that butt monkey for a walk? Take that butt monkey for a walk and grow up. Grow the heck up. Thomas, you back with us? Yes, no, maybe so? Well, I leave his microphone on, we're going to move to um, the final thing. We're going to circle back around and talk about Orlando because um, the last thing that was said that I want to share three clips with you um, from Sebastian Gorka, who, I mean, in a world that doesn't make any sense, he finally said some reason and he's finally heading off uh, this insane idea that, oh, guns, guns got up off for themselves, they got up out of the shop themselves and decided to go fifth, kill 49 gay people um, with, without any provocation, you know, whatsoever. And the administration's very, 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 very lame response. Here is uh, Sebastian Gorka cut one. In the last 15 years, uh, we haven't seen an Episcopalian suicide bomber. We haven't seen Zoroastrian mass murderers. We've seen Muslim extremists. If you deny that, you are in a fantasy land and you're endangering American citizens. It's time to wake up, America. The war is here. The war is here. It's not even the war you think it's the war, ladies and gentlemen. The war is not, oh my gosh, Islam is so bad, guns are... No, the war began long before America had seen much of a threat from radical terrorists. The war is the one that gives up the idea that we have... uh, The war is against the idea that we have a nation of citizens in this country, and everybody is a valued citizen. And it starts with the idea that that the unborn are future citizens of this country. But while they're in this country, they are valued as people that are arriving. They are immigrants from the womb. People come to this country under legal and illegal auspices to have children on American soil. Why? They're not carrying children. You know, I'll be careful. They're not carrying children. If you want me to take it this far, I will take it this far. They're not carrying children. They're carrying fetuses. Ain't nobody being born. But suddenly there are children being born, appearing, and they come out of wombs from somewhere in a woman's body. And they legally become American citizens. They had value. From this point of this show, they had value long before they were born. And they have value since they've been born. And that is the war that we're trying to fight in America, is affirming the worth and the value of every human 
feet, no matter where your location is, in the womb or out of the womb, so that when an Islamic extremist decides to kill you, murder you, it is a legitimate taking of innocent life. You cannot defend yourself morally, legally, ontologically, existentially against a radical extremist murderer from taking your life if you do not see life in general, human life in general, as being valuable enough to save at any point during the human existence. You can't. So the war that is confronting us today, which is uh, the danger of dying from radical Islamic terrorism, is not the first war that we're fighting. But you will never win this war today unless you understand how to win the war that has been raging on, really, since Roe v. Wade was decided. And then before then, the, the, even, even the idea that there are some people that are worth more than others on Earth. Cut to... Dr. Sebastian Gorka said on Fox News that President Obama must recognize the Orlando attack as terrorism rather than an opportunity to push his gun control narrative. He must make a statement and he must not go towards gun control. This isn't about gun control or hate crimes. If he goes there, then we know he hasn't learned anything in the last seven and a half years. Well, obviously, President Obama didn't listen to Sebastian Gorka uh, because that's exactly what he went on to do, is to blame the weapon. And, you know, okay, you blame the weapon, but you also should blame the hand that's pulling the trigger, shouldn't you? Oh, no, you can't do that. be, Be sure, ladies and gentlemen, that the Obama administration has made a choice. The left has made a choice. Breitbart has uh, written an article titled, The Left Chose Islam Over Gays. And isn't it obvious that that is the case? There is never going to be a conviction. Because you can bet your dollar. You're going to have a There are going to be more LGBT-related killings attacked by radical Muslims. That, that Pandora wide and there's going to be more incidents and you can bet your money that a liberal leftist administration is going to favor the Muslim extremist by not calling him a Muslim extremist over your favorite position that you think you have as a gay person in America. There is a hierarchy, and you know it. And you're not at the top of that hierarchy. And the sooner you realize that you're not on the top of that hierarchy, the sooner you can probably think clearly about that. Cut three. Getting rid of the political correctness. In the last seven years, President Obama, Secretary Clinton, they have betrayed the American people by allowing politics and political correctness into the threat assessment. People are in the hospital, and the first thing they think about is political correctness. We're not even allowed to use words like jihad. Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail has said, I will not use the phrase radical Islam. Well, then what is this? What is happening in Orlando? What is happening in Philly, in San Bernardino? It is 
is people who say they are jihadis, who say they're doing it for Allah. It's time to get political correctness out of the threat assessment, Marie. Uh, so, so, ma'am, um, you who decided to take a shot and say that Donald Trump and the culture of Donald Trump is the cause or one of the causes or the blamable cause of the attack on 49 gay people in a gay club in Orlando need to walk that back because the fact of the matter is those that are working actively in the administration at the moment and when all this stuff was going down and in the past have laid the foundation, including laid the foundation. Hillary Clinton is the person who laid that foundation for this type of response. Where, where the Muslim extremist is now no longer called the Muslim extremist. He's a shooter, shooting up gay people. But the fact that you are attacked gets downgraded to the level of random act of violence, random hate, is, is not working out well for you in the long run. And Hillary Clinton is a part of the reason why it's not going to work out for you in the long run. So looking ahead at election 2016, um, everybody has a tough choice. I'd say the right certainly has a tough choice. Uh, We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but the left has an even tougher choice now that this has transpired. your, Your front runner for the Democrat nomination for President of the United States, Hillary Clinton, has been part of the machinery that now makes you as a favored class vulnerable in that favored class status. Muslims across the globe are at the top of that hierarchy. And you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that you aren't. And when it comes to Who's going to have the most advantages politically in this country? It will not be the gay community. Oh, sure. When it comes to the conservative Christians, conservative rights, uh, anybody but Muslims in this country, you're going to win because you're right there on the priority list. But when was the last time somebody shouted Allahu Akbar? And kill people. It wasn't Christians, it wasn't Buddhists, or Mormons, or anybody else. Think about that very closely. Um, as you decide to head off to the to the polls in November, just think about how much Hillary Clinton has not contributed to the good relations between LGBT folks and Muslims. Now you can delude all you want and say oh it's not Islam it's not it's not Um, but I guarantee you a Muslim isn't going to say the same thing that's the reality of it but um, we're going to continue on this because news keeps marching on we have like 10 more stories that I would love to talk about um, in the coming weeks uh, which will probably be replaced by 10 more stories so stay tuned to True Life Fridays Radio we will be back with more stories. We will be back with cutting edge education 
on how to be pro-life in this and a pro-life advocate in this crazy world where, uh, oh my goodness, babies are kidnapped from their mothers. I mean, go pray for that. And remember that if you don't have a right to life, you really don't have a right to anything. And I affirm everybody's right to life. No matter what you are, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in America, I affirm your right to be alive and not to have somebody take your life away from you, no matter what the circumstances. So, um, see you next week. This has been True Life Fridays Radio. I'm your host, Letitia Wong. And Thomas, who has been somewhere in cyberspace that couldn't quite make it back on the show. I'm still here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was I was just on mute. I was I wondering was where you mute. were. All right. Well, we yeah, it's time to say good night, and we will be back another week for True Life Fridays Radio. Yes, ma'am. And I am going to catch the broadcast. Good night. I'm going to catch the broadcast in archives. So. Woohoo. Talk to you later. God bless. Good night. Good night. You're not.